feel quite embarrassed to be honest to be back with another episode of chit chat podcast finally I think the last one I did was in July and it's so embarrassing because I'm pretty sure last time I was like oh I know it's been ages since I did an episode but I promise I'm really gonna try and be more regular with them and here I am how many months later like three four months later (laughs) finally with another episode quite shameful I apologize I've just been really busy and lazy to be honest I could have tried harder and I didn't I'm sorry if you've felt that gaping hole in your life of the lack of episodes but we're back on track kind of hopefully I'm back because I went to India for the first time in my life I actually went to India and I got back on Tuesday which was like god I can't do the maths god my brain it really feels I haven't had to really use my brain I was there for about two and a bit weeks it was like two weeks and five days or so and I I didn't really use my brain for the whole time I was there and now I've come back and I had to go back to work um a couple of days after I came back and it was like the hardest thing I was like oh my god I just can't process things and it's so cold and I'm sat here like I'm literally sat here recording this in a jumper and thick leggings with a blanket around my shoulders and my god the difference a week just a week ago I was you know in sleeveless tops sweating and now I'm here freezing my ass off but finally back I it really felt like I was there like I said it was about two two and a bit weeks just over two and a half weeks and it felt like I was away for a really long time and I think the main reason for that is it was not a relaxing holiday and I think there are parts of India that you can go to that that are very relaxing the bits I went to and the bits that we did were not relaxing we realized we were there for a limited amount of time and wanted to pack in as much as possible and then we also had a family wedding at the end of it which meant that for that week we weren't really going to get to do any touristy stuff it was just going to be kind of wedding stuff so that really only gave us a bit to kind of pack in as much touristy stuff as we could so yeah it wasn't exactly a relaxing holiday we were up early every day we were in bed late most nights so the lack of sleep uh, was a big thing I haven't come back you know you usually come back from a holiday feeling really refreshed and like chilled and I just did not feel that way we got back and I was like uh, I need a lion which I, I got to have the next day because I didn't go to work the day after I got back which was the best decision I've made in a long time so I thought the best thing to do would be share my experience of my first trip to India and so that's what the next couple of episodes are going to be I'm just going to be talking about things that I observed that I noticed that I thought were interesting things that surprised me things that didn't surprise me and kind of give you guys a lowdown of what I thought and see if if you've been see if you felt the same kind of way or if you're like me and you're actually of Indian heritage but you've never been or you only went when you were really young and now you don't know what it's like you know it might be of interest to you so 
Well, hopefully it'll be of interest to you. There's really no point in me doing this, is there? So we flew out on the 18th of October and my feelings before going, I, I genuinely could not believe that it had actually come round. It was it had always been this trip that was like really far in the future and it was going to be a really big one. I knew that, that we were going to pack loads in. I, I'd never been to a developing country before. I've never been there on holiday. So it was, you know, I knew it was going to be a new experience for me and I didn't know kind of like how to prepare for it because, you know, when you go on other holidays or you go to Europe or America or whatever and you you don't really need, you don't take certain things because you know you'll be able to get it. First country we were going to where I thought, I actually don't know if I'll be able to find if I forget something, I don't actually know if I'll be able to get it out there and, and or the same kind of one or to the same quality or, or I wouldn't even know where to begin to look for something like that there. So it was a real, I was kind of a bit nervous, but I was mostly excited. I was really ready to just get there and, and experience it because it had always, like I said, it had always been this like massive trip that I knew was coming up. And I first, I think we booked it in like March time and I'd like, I wasn't even working full time at that point and I started work in April. I I remember I like it was one of the first things I did when I got to work I booked in the holiday. And then since then it was like, oh well, you know, that's all the way in October. And then the week leading up to us actually going, I was like, oh my god. But I was really excited. I was really excited to go. So we finally went and we were flying, we flew out on the 18th of October, um, we were flying with Air India and everyone who <laughs> we'd told we were flying with Air India, they'd all kind of been like, oh, okay, kind of a bit like, hmm, ooh, have fun with that, as if something was gonna go wrong which was you know really reassuring it's exactly what you want to hear before you embark on a eight hour flight to a different country so I was a bit nervous about the flight I was thinking oh god like there's gonna be a lot of turbulence like what if they lose our baggage because we had because of the family wedding at the end of the trip and because we were going for so long and it's and because I am incapable of packing lightly I hate packing with a passion I hate it I hate not having access to my whole wardrobe it stresses me out like nothing else I like being prepared for all weather possibilities and I just I hate having to only pick a certain selection of my clothes and it really it really get like you it I really makes me uncomfortable I mean first of all problems or what but really <laughs> I don't like packing so I had a whole suitcase for myself my mum had us a whole suitcase to herself but we had eight suitcases between us one of which was just full of wedding outfits because I don't know if you've like been to an Indian wedding before but an Indian wedding is not just one day an Indian wedding is like a whole week of if not more of festivities of like additions of ceremonies it's like a whole week leading up to the wedding and then you have the actual wedding and then there are some ceremonies that take place after the wedding so you know you've got to have a lot of outfits we I was a bit nervy about 
going with eight suitcases and I was like bloody hell one of them is bound to get lost and if it's that one with all our outfits in it we are gonna have nothing to wear to the wedding so it's a bit nervous about all of that thanks to everyone who shared their doubts about Air India before we went but it was fine it was fine we didn't lose any of our luggage and we had two internal flights while we were there as well because we were traveling around and we had two internal flights as well and we didn't lose any of our luggage and it actually came out much quicker in every airport in India that we went to than it does at fucking Heathrow so yeah when we were on our way back we were waiting at Heathrow for our luggage for ages but everywhere else it was super quick the flight was <laughs> so the flight there I could have very well set a precedent for the rest of the trip it didn't thankfully but it could have we had an interesting flight on the way there the main thing was it was the flight itself was actually fine very smooth ride thank you very much to the I think is he was a Mr. Singh the pilot um so the the passengers on the flight uh were interesting and by interesting I mean they were awful so there were these I mean first of all there were lots of children on the flight now I'm aware that flying with children is a very difficult thing and you know you should sympathize with parents because it's not their fault that their children are struggling on the flight I completely appreciate that but when your child sorry your your two children are screaming because you are not letting them do something and you just let them scream on on a eight and a hour flight uh I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna lose it a little bit uh it it luckily wasn't for the whole time but there were you know quite a few occasions where these children um were not getting what they wanted and were screaming like not crying like screaming screaming whatever you can just put your headphones on pretend you're not there you can work through it what I couldn't work through is there was this family they were a massive family and they were kind of divided up in the plane they were they were an Asian family I don't know if they were British Asian or if they were in I'm not sure but they were on the plane and they were sitting near us and two of the men in this family had drunk quite a lot and a classic they were drunk they were making lots of noise and they were being incredibly rude to this one of the guys by the way was the father of the screaming children which just is the cherry on top of the cake which I mean obviously they were being really rude to this one air hostess obviously losing her patience with them because they were just being so difficult and so disruptive they I think asked her for more alcohol and she was like no I I, I don't I'm not, I'm not going to serve you any more alcohol I think you've had enough they then started being really abusive to her and they were having a bit of a heated argument And one of the guys just like shouted for her to shut up and called her a rude word in Punjabi. Now, when you 
I think I feel like this is something that kind of spreads amongst other languages as well when usually when you swear in another language it's like 10 times worse than swearing in English like swearing in English is like Meh, okay and there are a couple of words where you're like oh but you know swearing in English not really a big deal you swear in Punjabi and it's like swearing in English times 10 the 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 impact of it and the meaning of it is a lot more serious so she, he called this woman something really horrible in Punjabi. I can't remember what it was, but it was a rude word. And she obviously then lost her shit. And I'm so glad that she did. Like this air hostess, I was sitting there and I was like rooting for her. Like, yes, girl, don't take this shit from them. She was just like, you can't talk to me like that. Like, who do you think you are? You're so rude, blah, blah, blah. It was like a massive hoo-ha. And everyone else was just sitting there like, like trying to eat my bronta like mm, okay this is drama can this situation be resolved because I'm uncomfortable but I was also ready simultaneously I was ready to jump in and be like don't fucking talk to her like that I was they were really really just so annoying and rude and disrespectful these two guys it was disgusting so she then got her manager involved to discuss the situation with these guys and the manager who was also a woman was very calm she was so dignified I was like in awe of her she was so like she was just slaying it I was like oh my god you're great but and you could tell she's she's dealt with people like this before um and she was like we've alerted the security in India so when we touch down in Delhi the security are gonna come onto the plane and take you off and we were like oh shit like, oh this is getting real so when we they were obviously silent for the rest of the flight which was lovely for us they obviously shitting themselves so when we got to Delhi you know the pilot did his little like we've landed la di da thanks everyone hope you enjoyed your flight and then he was like as I'm sure you're aware there were some abusive passengers being disruptive so we're gonna have to wait for the security to come onto the plane to escort them off and we were like oh shit and this family was sitting there like oh my god I'm gonna die like oh my god please eventually we were sat at Delhi airport for a while eventually the security came on put them in their place and we all got off the plane and everything was fine it just could have set a precedent for the trip I was thinking oh god is this what the whole trip is gonna be like it's just gonna be people being rude and disruptive and is this just gonna be a thing is this a theme of the trip is this a sign from the universe that it's just gonna be like a really uncomfortable you know like a confrontational trip but it was it was it was not it was fine we get to Delhi we get to the airport we get to our hotel oh no so before we got to our hotel oh god so we get to the airport and we'd organize for a driver to pick us up right so we spend a bit of time trying to find the driver we find the driver he then leads us to his car which is in the car park so he's leading us bearing in mind we've got eight bags with us eight large heavy bags we're walking around we're walking around and he's like oh I forgot where I parked my car and we were like okay cool fine and I was really trying to keep it cool I was like I'm going to be the cool-headed, calm person during this trip. I'm going to take everything in my stride. You know, like, this is India. 
open mind. I'm not going to get agitated about anything. So my family were getting a bit like, how can you fucking forget where you parked your car? Like they weren't saying this to him, but they were thinking we were all really tired as you would be. It was really late at night that we landed. We were like... (laughs) are you joking right now how can you forget where you parked your car and I was I was the one trying to be like guys it's fine it's fine you know we'll find it eventually everyone calm down it'll all be okay like trying to make jokes about it so we we were looking around this one floor of the car park 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 for his car and then he's like oh it's on the floor floor above so we were like oh okay it's fine it's fine no worries so we then go to the floor above he's then looking for his car again and because he's gone off looking for his car we lose him and now we don't have an india phone at this point we didn't we hadn't bought an india mobile or like a a india sim card so we had no way of like contacting this guy and we were like okay we've lost the driver okay fab so we were kind of walking around for a bit he then comes out in his car and he's like oh I'm here it's fine so we found the driver it's all good we go over to the car he puts some of the luggage in the boot and then he's like okay I'm gonna have to put the rest on the roof now this (laughs) we were like um what now I have never really I mean, you you see, I guess here in England, you see people strap like bikes to the roof and like surfboards, but never really like suitcases. And he had this little like rack thing on top of his car, which turns out lots of cars in India do, lots of taxi cars. And he was just, you know, putting the suitcases on top of the car. And we were all just stood there watching him like, uh, how is, what? We were just like, you're putting our suitcases on top of your car without any string like he didn't tie the suitcases down he just put them on top and we're like these are gonna fall off I was like in on the outside I was like it's fine he obviously does this all the time this is obviously a thing it'll be fine and on the inside I was like <laughs> the suitcases are gonna fall off they're gonna fall off on the road we're gonna lose our luggage this is not gonna go well this is there's no way that this can go well but on the outside I was totally cool I'm like, I'm fine I'll be fine it was fine again and I think that was one of my first experiences in India where I realized you just have to trust these people because although what he was doing is just something that would not happen here it was something that I'd never really seen happen before I've never known a taxi driver to forget where he's parked his car and then put suitcases on top of his car without tying them down that was kind of one of the first experiences where I thought you know what these people do this every day And just because it's different to what I'm used to, it doesn't mean that I need to freak out about it. You have to have a certain level of trust, I think, when you go to India that these people live like this. And just because it's not how you live and it's not the way, it's not what you're used to, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean that they're doing it wrong. It doesn't mean that it's dangerous. It just means that it's different and you just have to go with it and you have to trust that everything's going to be okay. And it was okay. You know, we and we got to the hotel and everything was fine and the suitcases didn't fall off. And he did have to pull over at one point to check that they were all still there, but they were all still there. And 
it was fine. <laughs> so, I mean, it was fun, right? It was banter. So <laughs> we got to the hotel and the hotel was was really lovely. Um, my dad had booked a really, really, really lovely hotel that had been recommended to us by some friends. And it's some general points I just want to make before like continuing my India diaries is that I am fully aware and appreciate that we had a relatively luxurious stay while we were in India. We were in very nice hotels, we had Wi-Fi, we had hot water, we had air conditioning, we had filtered the water, you know, we weren't staying with family at any point, which I'm really, really so happy about. It is it within Indian culture if you it's seen as very rude if you go somewhere and you don't stay with your family it's like a massive offense to them that you haven't stayed with them um because Indian hospitality is like you know a massive thing within the culture but we weren't staying with any family we didn't have to stay in a village at any point we were always in a hotel we always had I guess luxury things at our fingertips if we needed them and I think those privileges and those luxuries made the whole trip more enjoyable and I think without those things Perhaps I would not have enjoyed the trip as much because, you know, when when we were out and about and exploring or whatever it is, I had the privilege of knowing that at the end of every day, I was going to go back to my comfy hotel room and my clean bed. Well, actually, it wasn't always a clean bed. That that's that's a tale for the Punjab diaries that I come to eventually. It wasn't always clean, but most of the time, you know, clean sheets, a toilet that worked, and that was an actual toilet and hot water and um, and Wi-Fi. Again, was without Wi-Fi for a couple of days when I was in Punjab, which was really hard. But well, I did it. I made it through. Yeah. So I do. I do recognize that and I just wanted to point that out because I think it is a key part in how much I enjoyed the trip because I knew that there was always going to be that level of comfort there which obviously a lot of people in India don't have and it's not the way that a lot of people in India live perhaps not giving the most accurate experience of the country but without those luxuries perhaps wouldn't have wouldn't have enjoyed my time as much you know I managed to go the whole trip without having to go to the toilet in a hole in the ground which is quite impressive I think I'd like to give myself a pat on the back when you're traveling in India you realize there's not always a proper toilet available uh sometimes it is just a hole in the ground with but yeah it's kind of like an advanced hole in the ground it's a it's a hole and it has it's like the bowl of a toilet buried in the ground and then there's like two two things next to it, the hole for you to put your feet on and squat and then you you do your business in the hole. It's quite something. I looked at it and decided that I would not be enjoying that experience, that particular experience in India. That was one I would pass on uh, and I managed to go the whole trip by going to the toilet in an actual toilet. So we arrived in Delhi. We were knackered but it was... (sighs) 
I got there and I was still very excited. I felt this kind of like adrenaline rush. I was really raring to go to see it because it was obviously nighttime. I really was raring to see it during the day, see what it would be like, um, see it properly and, and really get stuck in and get going on all the kind of touristy stuff and exploring it. There were things that I noticed while we were there, but when we were in Delhi, we we got our India mobile. That was like one of the first things that we did. And that took forever. Um, and also another thing to mention is that everywhere we went, we had a tourist guide for at least one of the days that we were there. Um, and that was also really helpful just for them to explain India is a country so full of history and culture and different cultures you know we say Indian culture but I think when you go there you really appreciate how different each region of India is whether it's in the food religion language fashion it's it's so different and you really I already knew that but going there I think it's emphasized even more when you're literally traveling across these regional lines and you really see it and you really feel it I think we make sweeping generalizations about India and you go there and you think you actually you can't do that we we went to temples we went to so we went to Gudwaras which are uh, Sikh places of worship we went to Mandars which are Hindu places of worship we went to a mosque while we were there um, we went to the India um, kind of parliament area where they have their equivalent of the house of, houses of parliament way more impressive than English houses of parliament by the way like oh my god there was a light show there was like a water feature they're like it's like illu- it's like white buildings and they're illuminated in like different coloured lights and it looked oh my god it's way cooler than our houses of parliament like we've got fucking Big Ben like covered in scaffolding at the moment it really has got nothing on the Indian houses of parliament they were really really cool to look at um we saw india gate which um is a really kind of key part in delhi a memorial to all the soldiers who died during world war one and it's seen as the the gateway to india we went to um chandni chalk which is like it's like the delhi equivalent of oxford street but much smaller and narrower (laughs) and dustier it's it's like a shopping area really really busy bustling shopping area it's not it's not what you can't drive down Chandni Chalk there's like no areas for cars to go down there did a lot of exploring we have some family friends in Delhi as well and they took us shopping they they were lovely and we got to spend some time with them as well we went out for dinner with them to this really lovely restaurant a really lovely like Mediterranean restaurant and we got to sit outside and have dinner and it was just so you know I kept forgetting like oh god it's October and we're sat here you know in a skirt and a sleeveless top my sunglasses on and I'm sitting outside having dinner well I was having dinner I didn't have sunglasses on because it was fucking dark but you know and it was just lovely and I wasn't cold and it was just so nice and it's convinced me of winter holidays from here on like it's an absolute must for me because I get really affected by the seasons changing and I get really affected I don't think I have SAD seasonal affective disorder I don't think I have it bad enough to like claim that I have SAD but I definitely do get affected by the weather and the changes in weather I do feel very low when winter comes along and it's dark and it's cold and it's raining and it really really gets to me and when summer comes around all my friends are like you can tell that like you just come alive when it's summer like you just have this new lease of life about you and I, I, I genuinely do feel that way so it was really nice to be somewhere that was not cold when it should have been it was really really good time in Delhi really enjoyed it and there were things so much history so much 
so much British influence I thought was very obvious that was one of the first things I noticed when I was there it's very clear the British influence I think the way the roads are laid out not that anyone drives how we would here there are lanes but there may as well not be (laughs) people do not drive in lanes there are roundabouts which aren't are in a lot of countries it's a very British thing putting in roundabouts again not that anyone sticks to lanes on roundabouts um they are quite the experience in India the road signs look like how our road signs look yeah a lot of British influence that's very clear in India unsurprisingly you know they they India is still quite a young country since it gained independence I think it got India only got independence in 1947 so it really from Britain from British rule so it really is quite a young country since it gained independence it was something that stood out to me something else that stood out to me in Delhi was that or or I guess didn't stand out to me, nothing was a surprise. You know, I was there for four days. One of those days we actually went to Agra. I'll get on to that in a minute. But nothing was a surprise to me. And I think it's because I'd seen India so much in our media. I'd seen so many films, you know, like Slumdog Millionaire, The Best Exotic Marigold, Marigold Hotel. I'd seen them. I'd seen what India was like. I'd, I've watched so many documentaries about it, um, whether it was about like the railway stations or food so many cooking programs we watch my family watch a lot of cooking programs a lot of the cooking programs are set in India where they go around India and they Gordon Ramsay's been there he he did a whole show about food in India Jamie Oliver's been there lots of celebrity chefs have been to India and we've watched all of their programs so I'd seen it and I, I I knew kind of what to expect and I think people think oh you know you you know what to expect but then you go there and you're still like whoa and I just wasn't I went there and I thought I expected all of this I I went with a completely open mind I didn't I knew I'm going to India I'm gonna see things I've never seen before but I went with a very I went very much with a anything goes like this is India anything goes and I think because of that I saw loads of things there that I would never see here that I'd never seen before in my life. But I wasn't shocked by any of it because I thought, well, this is India. Why not? Why Why would this not happen here? It's India. Nothing surprised me. The way they drive, even my dad was like clutching onto his seat. Like, why don't they stay in the lanes? He was like the first couple of days. He was even actually when we were leaving, he was still complaining about the way that people drive. And I was like, why have you not got used to this yet? Like, this is how they drive. And it's crazy. It's you You sit there and you think I'm going to die. But also, I, I mean, I didn't because... Because I'd had that experience with the driver and I'd kind of braced myself for it. And I thought, you know what? To us, looking at this from an external, as, as someone who is very unused to this, you'd think this is madness. They must have a hundred accidents a day. There is no organization to the way they drive. There are no rules. There are no regulations. Fuck the highway code. What's the highway code? You know, it's non-existent. And you think, oh, how do they manage? But then again, you have to remember these people do this every day. And our taxi drivers, like 
they all cars they dive in and out of traffic there are no it's not linear lanes you go where you see a free space whether it means your car is then gonna be at an angle your car ends up at a 90 degree angle mm, it's fine you know because you're gonna get out of it you're gonna get out of the traffic any way to get through the traffic you will get it people bib their horns and it's not like how we use our horns here it's not as if to say are you fucking plonker what are you doing which is what I usually like to go for when I use my horn or it's not to say it's not to have a go at someone most of the time they've done something wrong or whatever most of the time in India when they honk their horns it's to say I'm just letting you know I'm here I'm just letting you know (laughs) about my car's presence because I may overtake you at some point so I'm just gonna beep to let you know that I'm here and that is why majority of the time people are beeping in India and that is why the beeping is non-stop because everyone's just like by the way I'm here oh by the way this car I'm here so the honking is non-stop and you've got tuk-tuks you've got they're like they're rickshaws but on mopeds and you've got rickshaws that are driven by bikes you've got cars you've got buses you've got lorries they're all on the same road and they're all trying no matter what the size of the vehicle you know there's no oh, you're a lorry, so you have to go in the inside lane. No, non-existent. You just go where there's a space. It doesn't matter if you're crossing three lanes. You go where there's a space and you get through it. And you have to have that level of trust. You can't be sitting there thinking, I'm going to die, I'm going to die, going to be in a car accident, this is crazy. They're used to this. This is the way that they drive. And that's okay. And just because it's not the way that we drive, it doesn't mean that it's wrong. We have this superiority complex where we think just because it's the way that we do it, it means that it's the right way to do it. And I think when you go to somewhere like India, it really challenges everything you've thought about what is the right way to do something because you go there and it's so refreshing to not be tied down by so many rules and regulations. You know, whether it's health and safety or the way we drive rules about driving or rules about walking in the road you know as well as by the way all the vehicles you also have people in the road because there aren't there are crossings but you cross wherever you're gonna cross you know people will climb over the barrier in the middle of the road so that they can cross the road crossing the road in India I became a real pro at it I mean I don't want to brag but I crossing the road in India I know how to do it now you just what you got to do is you've got to act like you own that road. You want to come hit me with your car? Go for it. Touch me. Try touch me, bitch. You've really got to own it. You've got to like have this stance like no one's going to touch me. Look at me. Try and touch me. Yeah, right. You cross, right? So you you pick a spot where you're like, right, I'm going to cross the road here. And you just hold your hand out, a strong hand, right? You hold your hand out to the oncoming traffic And you have this look on your face like, I'm crossing the road now. You don't have to say anything, but you say it with your face. And you hold your hand out and you just, you just walk. You walk across that road like you own that ground and that no one can touch you. And they won't. (laughs) They won't most of the time. They won't. They won't touch you. Because again, you have to remind yourself, they are used to it. When in India, do as the Indians do. That's another thing I really learned when I was there. Another thing that was kind of initial impressions when I was there in Delhi, it's overwhelming. Yes, you are hearing 
10 different things at once. You are smelling 10 different things at once. You're seeing 10 different things at once. It is completely overwhelming. It's a complete attack on the senses. You're just like in this whirlwind of just everything. It's going on around you. And I think that's why you either go to India and you think, oh my God, this is overwhelming. I can't cope. Get me out of here. Or you go and you think, oh my God, this is overwhelming. I love it. And I'm just going to embrace it. And I think those are your, there's not really, I don't think, an in-between. You you have to make that choice. You either let yourself be overwhelmed by it or you think, fuck it. I'm going to embrace this because you have to. Because what's the point of trying to go to a country like that if you're not just going to be like, you know what? Yeah, bring it on. I'll take it in my stride. It is what it is. You have to undo everything that you think you know about what it is to live and what it is to kind of like be a part of of society and all those rules and etiquette and just unspoken rules about how we live and how we are and how we talk to each other and all of that. You just have to drop that. You have to unlearn that when you're in India and you really just have to go with the flow. And I I kept saying when I was there, when in India, do as the Indians do. Because it's the only way, I think, to really enjoy the country and get the most out of the country. If you're there kind of tiptoeing around things and you're like, oh, I'm not sure. Like, oh God, I can't believe what I'm seeing. Oh God, the the driving. Oh God, the animals. Oh, the food. Am I going to get ill? If you're stressing about all of that stuff, you're just not going to get the full experience from it. And you really just have to go with it. That driver wants to to cut across three lanes and then do a U-turn and then, you know, drive over a roundabout. Fine. Another thing that I thought I may be shocked by but actually wasn't was the poverty. I mean it's abundant when you go to India, it's everywhere, there are homeless people everywhere, there are people begging for money everywhere all the time, they know as well when you're a tourist. Despite being brown, despite being Indian, they know they could spot us a mile off. It didn't help that I was wearing a bum bag that probably gave it away quite a lot. But um, they know, you know, they can see you and they can tell that you are not from here. Um, and so they target you because they know that you find it harder to say no to them. So the beggars do target you and they, God, they are, you have to take your hat off to them. They uh, they do not give up easy. They, they're not going to say, oh, if you're like, no, sorry. They're not going to be like, oh, okay, fine. They will keep going. They will keep asking you for money. They will keep banging on your window. Because if you're in a car, what they do is when the traffic stops, they're waiting on the side of the road. And when the traffic stops, they come out and they come out to the cars and they'll bang on your window, try and get you to give the money that way. They'll try and sell you things through your window, that kind of stuff. And it's uncomfortable. It's incredibly uncomfortable. They parents often send their kids out to do it. I get it. Like if you've seen Slumdog Millionaire, it's actually quite accurate representation of what it's like. These kids, they'll say, oh, I'm so hungry. You know, please give me, you know, money for food. And then if you say to them, okay, I'll give you food. I won't give you money, but I'll give you food. They say, no, 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 I want the money because it's not for them. This money that they're trying to collect, it's not for them. And our tourist guides were explaining to us that often what happens is the parents send their children out to beg. The children will then come back 
with the money the parents then take the money and buy food and alcohol and and whatever it is for themselves and that is often what happens it, it it's unfortunate and it's heartbreaking and especially the number of children that you see begging it's it's uncomfortable and it's really horrible and you feel like I can't believe I'm saying no to this child you know this this child should be at school this child should be learning and it they're not they're here and they're tapping on car windows begging for money and it's it's really sad but it's unfortunately it's how it is and you you can't give if you gave to every single beggar who asked you for money I mean you would be you'd have no money (laughs) like it is it's incessant and it's everywhere and there's a lot of it unfortunately but it is again one of the things that I had braced myself for and so when I got there I wasn't shocked by it I wasn't I wasn't so uncomfortable by it because I knew that it was going to happen and I again like I'd seen it in the media I'd heard about it from other people and I I knew I know this is going to be a thing and when we went to Jaipur actually after Jaipur is where we went after Delhi and when we went to Jaipur there was a girl we went shopping one day and there was this little girl and she she couldn't have been more than two she was about two I think she was really little and she was walking behind me for a really good while while we were shopping and she was pulling at my top it's 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 um called a kameez when you have like a long top that goes kind of beyond your uh, mid thigh I guess like a, a long top it's called a kameez so she was tugging at the back of my kameez and she was saying you know please I need to eat I need to eat and you just know that I I just had to keep saying no sorry no no I'm not I can't give you anything because also uh, again our tour guides explained to us the government tell people don't give the money because you are promoting the poverty you're saying to them it's okay to beg because they were kind of explaining that there are you know because my mum actually asked don't these people have homeless shelters like aren't there places for them to go where they don't have to sleep on the streets like this they don't have to beg and you know that our tour guides were saying there are there are and even our friends in Delhi who we have those there are places like that but they're not going to go there because they can't make any money there whereas they can make money when they beg so they're not going to go to the shelter because what are they going to do there it's this whole massively you know corrupt system and it's it's horrible and it's heartbreaking but giving those people money giving the beggars money it is most likely not going to benefit them and it's not going to help them especially the children so and and even when that little girl in Jaipur was was touching me I'd by that point I think at the beginning with the begging in Delhi I'd been a bit nervous about it because I thought well I don't know if I say no are they going to be violent would they try and you know if I'm sitting in the car and and they're knocking on the window asking me for money are they gonna then try and like get into the car somehow and like get money from me you know I I didn't really know how it worked and by the time I got to Jaipur after three four days I realized they're not going to touch you in in the sense that they might touch you physically, but they're not going to hurt you. They're not going to cross that boundary. They wouldn't cross that boundary. So that little girl was tugging at my clothes, but I knew that was as far as it was going to go. She wasn't going to try and get into my pockets or I didn't have any pockets. I had my trusty bum bag. I love that thing, by the way. That was like the best the best decision I made about going to India was investing in a bum bag. I bloody loved it. It got sweaty 
oh my god that little patch on my stomach under the bum bag be sweaty but yeah best decision I made about going there I'm used to it you know how to ignore them and it sounds horrible because in London I don't like ignoring homeless people I think I think we have a tendency to forget that these people are human beings and I will treat them with the respect of a human being and I'm not going to pretend that they don't exist so when you know I see homeless people in London and they approach me or whatever I'm gonna look them in their eye I'm not gonna pretend that they're not there I'm gonna say you know sorry I don't have any change or there was a homeless man who I used to see on the way to work every day and I always said I either said you know sorry I don't have any change or I looked at him and I smiled at him or I said good morning because he's yes he's begging but he's a human being and we we forget that very easily I think um especially you know in big cities especially in London because I'm sure if they could have it any other way they would not be doing what they were doing um they would much rather live you know a different life but the difference is in India (laughs) it's so much poverty there's so much begging it's really difficult to do that and also the people are different the culture is different and just because you say like I said they do not give up easily so whereas in London if you say no they're like fine whatever you say no in India they will keep going and going and going because they know that if they go long enough especially with tourists they will give in eventually um or most of them do so you have to have a slightly different and it's really sad again I don't like feeling like I'm being disrespectful to other people and I'm not treating them as if they're a human being but when it is that much you do have to just and because it's so intense they're like trying to get you to give them money is so intense you do just have to it does come to a point where you have to just ignore them unfortunately and walk away and try and get away from but the thing is you walk away and there's another beggar there trying to get money from you so it is it's really difficult but you know like I said I wasn't surprised by it one thing that I was surprised by I know that colorism is a massive problem in Indian culture it is very much deemed the lighter skin you have the better you are the higher class you are the prettier you are the more value you have as a person and the darker your skin the less value you have as a person that is very much still the mentality in India and has been you will not see because it's deemed you know the darker your skin it means that your job is probably working outside um, in the sun which means that you're lower class because you're doing an outside job you're doing manual labor in the sun therefore your skin is darker that kind of thing which is just I mean it's just it makes me so angry and I thought maybe that India was starting to develop beyond that and I went there and I was really disappointed to see that it's really not it's really not it's still stuck in that skin lightening products are the highest selling beauty product in India and I don't know if you've ever seen anything about them, but there's been a lot of articles written about them, about the dangers of skin lightening creams. They contain bleach. People are literally bleaching themselves to have lighter skin, to be deemed of more value, to be deemed prettier, to be to be deemed that they have more worth. And it's just, 
makes me so angry because I feel like I know that colorism is generally a thing um you know generally a problem but in India it's really really prevalent and I really thought it was obvious to me when I got there you will not see a dark-skinned person on a billboard on any advertisement on the TV I did not see one dark-skinned person I did not see any of them on the streets in any posters they it's like they are not represented in the media which I found really sad because the majority of people in India are quite dark-skinned they I mean much darker than I am I felt when I was there I was aware of my light skin privilege um what would me and my sister and you know other members of my family what would be called like lighties which is a term that is used by um in in the black culture and black communities as well I'm aware of you know you're you're a light skin person of color which means that you have this light skin privilege because colorism is is such a thing in in both communities and I'm sure in other cultures as well but I, I was I was aware of having this light skin privilege while I was there but everyone that I saw who lives there in India that you know 99% of them have much darker skin and they but they were not seeing themselves on posters on the tv in in films they were not there they were not represented everyone you see in the media is light-skinned and I just found that really I found that really uncomfortable and I found that really upsetting because that was something that I perhaps wasn't as prepared for I thought I knew that colorism was a massive thing I knew that it was a massive problem but I thought considering how we in the UK are trying to as in communities you know whether it's the Indian community or um, the black community in the UK are trying to tackle colorism and there's a lot more discussion happening about it now I I guess I was naive to think that the same discussions would be happening in India and I did not see that reflected at all Um, it was still very much the same fair-skinned woman or man being shown one thing that really disturbed me which ties into that was there were a lot of posters for IVF treatment which is great fine um having a family is is a very big deal in Indian culture if you don't have children it's kind of a bit like if you if you get married and you're a man and a woman and you're married it's like you're gonna have kids obviously like that's not even in the question and obviously people do struggle to have children and can't have children and in the UK that's obviously we would have no judgment about that in India I suspect there may still be judgments about that and and people will come up with silly reasons as to why that is that just aren't scientifically accurate people still believe things like oh it's because on their wedding day she didn't do this and that's now why she can't have babies that is still mystic kind of magical kind of spiritual side of things that's not quite you know superstitious uh, side of India is still again very prevalent but um, still very I, ke- I keep saying prevalent and then prevalent and I don't actually know how to pronounce it so it's gone and scone I'll just switch it up a bit but yeah so there were a lot of posters for IVF and I'm not joking in Delhi all of the posters all of them 
and I'm not exaggerating, all of the posters I saw for IVF had a white baby with blue eyes on it. Some of them I even saw a brown woman, an Indian woman with black hair, holding up a white baby with blue eyes. And it just (laughs) made me really angry because I knew it was playing into that colorism thing. You know, there's nothing better than white skin. And I really felt that the whole time I was there, the fetishization of white skin, but of, of European aesthetic. The white skin, blonde hair and blue eyes in India is still very much deemed as like the ideal, which is just I find baffling. People with white skin are really in the minority in India, you know, it is not, it's not like there's an even division between people with brown skin and people with white skin and people with black skin. There is not that, it is mostly, you know, 99%, I mean, I'm saying 99%, I don't know the accurate percentage, but everywhere you look, people with brown skin, you may see the odd tourist who is white, but it's not like when you go to London and you see people of all different races and it's amazing and it's lovely. It's not like that. Everyone is brown. And and so just to see that these babies that they were saying, oh, you know, have IVF and you could have a baby just like this. Honey, no matter what you try, your baby is not going to come out white with blue eyes. It's just not, it's it's scientific, it's not gonna happen. It's not gonna happen. So why are you still then using that image? Why are you still using an image of a white baby with blue eyes to say, oh, you know, you can have a baby like this. You'll be so happy with your fair white baby. No. And I think a good part of it is because Indian people are not used to seeing people who look like that. When we were out and about in touristy areas, God, people were piling around white women with blonde hair begging for photos you know they weren't begging for money anymore they were saying please can we have a photo with you wanting to take photos with her wanting to take photos of her and I was just like what is happening because obviously I'm just I've never seen anything like that before and I'd heard that it happens um in East Asian countries I'd heard that you know they're not used to seeing people with blonde hair or they're not used to seeing people black people so they ask if they can take photos of of them which I found so so strange and I still found it very strange in India and I found it really sad and no one in the media from what I saw is trying to target that read a couple of magazines while I was out there and I know that's not enough to go on to say oh no one's doing anything about it but it just there was no representation in the media of what I saw there there was just none on on even on honestly I've seen white people with a tan darker than people I saw on on posters in India and it was yeah it was really sad and I was really actually unimpressed by that and I hope that in the coming years more is done to tackle colorism and more is done to say just because you have dark skin it does not mean that you are any less of a person it does not mean that you are less beautiful it does not mean that you have less value it's it's just bullshit the sooner that Indian people see themselves truly represented in their media I think it would be such a positive thing for India I was also though I was saying about white women being asked for photos 
I was also randomly asked for a photo uh, we went, when we were in Delhi. We went to the Lotus Temple. It's obviously a massive tourist attraction. It's a, it's a temple that looks, that is in the shape of a lotus flower. Lotus flower is the flower of India. And yeah, it was, it was a temple in the shape of a lotus flower. It's really big. It's really beautiful. It's really lovely. Massive tourist attraction. Very busy. Lots of people taking photos. And I was just walking, walking towards the temple, you know, minding my business. And this woman with her daughter just comes up to me and she's like oh can you just take a photo with my daughter and I was just like what (laughs) I was so baffed I was like no (laughs) like who are you and why do you want my photo like no and I thought that (laughs) all these white women who were being asked for photos I was just like oh that must be their reaction as well and a lot of them were like loving it they were like yeah have a photo with me yeah I don't care and I was just like no (laughs) I don't understand why you want a photo of me with your child who are you yeah and I I think that's when I realized fame is not something that I could live with so if this podcast ever blows up and becomes something really big I'm just not going to be able to handle it I mean what am I going to do I just can't deal with random people wanting to take a photo of me I still don't know why that happened I don't know why she wanted to take a photo of me with her daughter but she did so I mean yeah it was it was very strange one thing I also annoyed me with the whole taking photos of people thing is that although a lot of Indians were getting very excited by the sight of white women with blonde hair What I also didn't appreciate was that a lot of tourists who I saw, a lot of white tourists who I saw were taking pictures of Indian people without their consent. Um, And I saw that, especially one time that really hit me was we were at the railway station, we were at Delhi train station and this old white woman, a tourist, was taking pictures and there was a old Indian woman. I think she may have been homeless. She was very wrinkly. She was in a sari. She had her sari over her head. She had it draped over her head. She was wearing, I don't think she was wearing any, she was maybe wearing some bangles and she was just sat there in her sari. She was really quite old. And this white woman just took a photo of this this Asian woman of this Indian woman just sitting there at the train station and I again I I think she was homeless and I just thought I don't know it just made me feel uncomfortable because I was like that's she's not an artifact she's she's a human and just because she's dressed differently to how you're used to people seeing how you're used to seeing people dressed and just because she's sitting differently and looks different and you think you can just you know she like went up quite close to her and just took a picture without even engaging in with her without even saying hello or do you mind if I took this photo of you it's like she's not there for you to take a picture of she's trying to live her life and you're just coming up to her snapping a picture of her because you think she looks even if it was in you know I'm sure it was with with um good intention I'm sure she thought oh wow that woman looks so striking and looks so great in her traditional dress you know I'd love to have a photo but that doesn't mean that you then have the right to just take that photo at least engage with her at least be like you probably she probably can't speak English and you probably can't speak Hindi but at least make the attempt to be like can I take a photo people know that if you gesture with your hands take a photo that universal like hand gesture you pretend to click the camera and that means photo like everyone knows that you don't have to speak the same language to understand what that means she could have done that to the woman 
And the woman may have ignored her, the woman may have not responded, but at least she asked. And it was kind of like, just because she's in a different outfit and she's wearing different clothing and she comes from a different culture, it does not mean that you then have the right to just be like, oh, she looks different, I'm going to take a photo of her, which I, I didn't quite like. It's It was kind of othering, I found, of another human who was in her own country and yet you were othering her. Another thing in Delhi which I actually was surprised by. India, unfortunately, is one of the most unsafe countries for women to live in uh, or to travel to, unfortunately. Going there and experiencing it, not surprised by that. People love to stare and it's not like a quick glance either. It is a stare, long time and especially men fortunately again you know if that happened here I'd be like what you fucking looking at mate couldn't quite do that in India um (laughs) I think the extent to which I'd run out of voice if I did that um in India because the extent to which people were staring was so much and also they probably wouldn't know what I was saying to them they probably wouldn't understand so I just I worked this system out where I kind of gathered it was about halfway through my trip and I realized that when these men are staring at you what they're not used to is you staring back at them So when I clocked that someone was staring at me, I just met their eyes and I just held their gaze as if to say, I know you're looking at me and I don't fucking appreciate it. And again, I did a lot, I did a lot of passive aggressive behavior uh, tactics in India where I didn't actually say anything, but it was in my manner, my face where I was like, I ain't fucking impressed with that so stop it. I I did that, I did a lot of staring back and I realised that actually from their reaction to that, that they were a bit like, oh, she's she's looking back at me and that's not something that I'm accustomed to. It's not, it wasn't something that I don't think that they were used to. So it actually made them cut their stare. It made them look away because they were suddenly like, oh, she's aware that I'm staring at her. And it made them look away because staring isn't comfortable for anyone. I think, you know, it doesn't matter who you are or whether you're staring at someone. If some, if you're staring at each other and you're sharing a, a deep, intense stare, it's not comfortable unless, you know, you're like you're in love with someone. Even then, it's a bit like, OK, stop staring at me now. One thing I did see um, on the back of a lot of taxis was that they'd have a sign that said this taxi respects women or this taxi like wants women to live safely or whatever they'd have like these signs on the back of their taxis which I thought was quite touching and I thought was quite interesting actually and it's not something that I expected to see but it was quite nice to see that there was an attempt of these taxi drivers to make women feel more comfortable and make women say you know what if you get in this cab you're gonna be okay and I mean they could just I mean a sign is a sign like it doesn't mean anything they could have just had that sign there without really meaning it hopefully I'm hoping I'm trying to be optimistic and hope that you have this sign in the back of your taxi and it's it's trying to be positive towards women and it's trying to say look if you get in my cab you're going to be safe and I'm going to get you home safe or whatever and you don't have to worry about being in danger one of the other things I noticed and I wasn't surprised by it but I was not expecting it was how much the image of Gandhi is everywhere 
around Delhi and I'm trying to think actually did I see it in the other places I went to um not so much actually but in Delhi particularly there was images of Mahatma Gandhi everywhere it's very clear that he um understandably he was the liberator of the Indians he's deemed you know the father of the country he freed them from British rule he led them to their independence and of course for that reason he's worshipped yeah he's really respected he's called and I one thing I learned which I didn't realize is the reason why he's called Mahatma Gandhi is because Mahatma means like great or like great soul um and and or they also refer to him as Gandhi G and when you call someone G when you have G on the end it's like a sign of respect it's it's kind of like hmm, I guess it's kind of like saying sir but kind of different it's just like a bit of a sign of respect there was actually an advert a tv advert because it was coming up to his birthday I think Gandhi's birthday or his like death anniversary something was coming up where they were celebrating Gandhi it may have been his birthday because his birthday was at the beginning of October but I mean I was there at the end of October so I'm not sure but there was an advert on TV of lots of Bollywood actors and actresses reading this passage I think that came from something that Gandhi had said and then they were like celebrating Mahatma Gandhi and you know it was very clear like he was everywhere and you get it but there was also something (laughs) you could not say a word against Gandhi in India it would not go down well I think that was very clear because he's everywhere and because he is just worshipped so much he's seen as like literally the father of the country if you were to say a bad word against Gandhi you yeah would not be a very popular person and I think whereas I am aware of his (laughs) With every leader, I think there is there are problems. He was very racist to black people, which is a characteristic amongst Indians that I think has followed through, unfortunately, again. And it, it works into that colorism thing. But there is this sense of superiority over black people, I think, within Indian culture, which is really really sad and wrong obviously Winston Churchill also a massive racist but yet we celebrate him Britain as liberating us from and getting us through the war so there are a lot of great leaders who have their problems and I felt like the I understood why Gandhi was his image was everywhere and his name was everywhere and why he was spoken about with so much respect in India I get it but also I do think everyone needs to be aware of the entirety of a person. If you're pu- if you're holding them to that caliber, don't be frank about it. Don't pretend that he was a saint. Don't pretend he was an absolute angel who could do no wrong because he did and he, he was problematic. He was racist and that's not something that should be celebrated. One of the things that I thought was very sweet actually and one of the things that I like about Indian culture is kind of how it's it's very much a community culture which can be the cause of a lot of problems for a lot of things especially when it comes to things like mental health so that 
you know, for example, if one person you know has a mental health problem, it's like deemed a problem of the whole like family or like the whole community. And it's like becomes this shameful thing because you're you're not you don't just represent yourself, you represent the whole community or you represent your whole family because it's such a community culture. Whereas, you know, English culture is very much more like each man for themselves. You're kind of like on your own, you do your thing. And just because you do something, it doesn't mean that that then reflects on your brother's wife's family whereas in India it would it's it's all very connected and that can be both a very nice thing and a difficult thing and one way that I thought that it was very nice is that the men um when they talk to each other they call each other by which means brother now that doesn't mean that you have to know this person say for example you went to a restaurant and you wanted to order something or you wanted to get the waiter's attention you'd say bye and call him over and you say brother you call him brother and in Punjabi it's baji so in when we went to Punjab they were calling each other baji I just thought that that was really sweet like you don't know this person from Adam like you have no ties to this person but it's like a respectful thing it's like we are all a community we all look after each other kind of thing and so you refer to each other as if you're a family which is really sweet and I you know having lived in that culture here I knew that it was a collective culture and I knew that it was community culture but you still wouldn't do that here you wouldn't um you might call I had this joke when I was at university is like whenever we had like an Asian taxi driver I'd always like call him uncle and try and get like a discount on our taxi because you do kind of do that here it doesn't matter if you know someone or not or it doesn't matter if you're related it doesn't matter if they're Indian you call them uncle because it's like a respectful thing and I just thought that that was really sweet and also again it was something that I'd heard about but I'd never actually seen before but men in India hold hands which is really sweet um they and it's not like it's not on a romantic level it's literally just like a that's just how men walk not everyone not it's not like all men are holding hands at all times but you will often see men holding hands when they walk down the road one tale that I have to tell which is just when it happened I was just like literally only in India it was just like wow what have I just seen what have I just witnessed (laughs) only in India so we were driving along and we were with one of our family friends in Delhi and we were in the taxi and we were waiting at some traffic lights and then the traffic gradually became began to move and my mum noticed that so we were we were going forward and there was traffic waiting at traffic lights to the to the right of us coming oh how to explain this so if we were going forward they were like at a 90 degree angle to us traveling in our direction if that makes sense to the right it was like a crossroads kind of situation so if we went forward and they went forward like they would have hit us kind of thing on the side they would have hit us on the right hand side of our cars that's like where their positioning was and um my mum noticed that a rickshaw like a, a guy on a bike who had a rickshaw attached to it had he like flipped over he'd been hit 
and he'd like flip, literally did like a 180 in the air had flipped over his rickshaw had like done a 180 someone had hit him and it was this truck and we were like oh my god like is he okay and we saw him like stand back up and, and he was fine um so we saw that this truck had like hit him and we we're like oh my god like that's really bad this this truck's just hit this rickshaw driver and then the truck and so like their lights went red our lights went green so we started moving forward and this truck wasn't stopping this truck was just kept rolling and rolling and rolling and we were like well hold on a second hold on a second we're we're going forward and this truck is still coming at us and it's not stopping like that like and because of the position like this truck would have hit our traffic on the right hand side of our cars and we're like this truck is not stopping what's going on and this truck was just rolling across the road and we were like what the hell is this driver doing like the one who's just hit the rickshaw what is going on and we realized that so this this truck was this truck was rolling we weren't going forward because we were like what the fuck is happening this truck hit one of the cars to the left of us so if we were a few inches a bit forward the truck would have gone into the side of our car right but luckily our driver hadn't moved forward so this truck hit the car to the left of us on the side and we were like oh my god what is going on like why is this why is this truck just going and the driver of the car who got hit he got out and everything and and he wasn't in but his car you know had a dent in it and we realized the truck had no driver there was no one driving the truck it was driving itself (laughs) because we realized that when this truck hit the rickshaw man the, the our family friend in delhi you know explained to us well he must have jumped out the driver of the truck must have jumped out of his truck because he didn't want to get done for hitting the rickshaw driver so he jumped out of his truck and ran away but didn't turn his truck off he just jumped out and left the truck running so the truck (laughs) was still rolling across the road and I'm laughing because it was just like I cannot believe this has just happened like (laughs) I can't believe and I was sat there and I was like what and that's why I mean like only in India only with India would a guy hit someone else right hit a rickshaw and think oh shit I don't want to get done for this so I'm gonna jump out of my truck leave it running because who cares what what the truck does the truck just keeps on rolling hits another car literally right in front of our car if we were any any more forward it would have hit us and everyone gets out the car like oh what's gone on and there's no one in the driver's seat of the truck it's just an empty truck driving itself it was hilarious I mean it was scary because we were like that literally could have been us the truck could have gone into us and it was it was scary because it was just this truck coming out into running traffic uncontrollably and our family friend she was like I've lived in Delhi all these years and I've never seen anything like this happen before and we were like well what a treat what a treat for all of us and I was just everyone was like oh my god oh my god and I was just sat in the back of the car laughing because I was like I can't believe this has just happened this is brilliant like I was just like what a story what a story a driverless truck nearly hit us because it had hit a rickshaw driver and oh god it was just brilliant it's just one of those things that I'm just never gonna forget that that happened in conclusion Delhi was I really enjoyed Delhi I really enjoyed that it was 
so cosmopolitan and yet still had a lot of history. Pollution I found in Delhi more than, Delhi's obviously a very polluted city. When we were there it wasn't too bad. I didn't struggle you know with breathing or anything. I didn't feel like I didn't feel like, oh my God, it's so polluted. I can really feel it. It felt the same to me as London did. I know it is a lot more polluted than London, but what I'm saying is I know that Delhi at times can be really, really bad. And when family members have gone in the past, they've said like the pollution was so bad, I couldn't breathe. It wasn't as bad as when we went, luckily. So that wasn't too, that wasn't a problem for us. But I generally really enjoyed Delhi. I thought it's it's a great city. It's a fun city. It's full of life it's really full of youth as well there's so many young people and I would definitely go back there again it was a great introduction to India I felt as my first my first stop on my India tour Delhi was was a great place to go that was my first India diary my Delhi diary next time I will be talking about Agra which we actually took a day trip to while we were staying in Delhi um but I will talk about that and my trip to Jaipur which is in Rajasthan which is slightly south of Delhi yeah so next time we'll be talking about what went down there including my first experience with animals on the road and all the other highlights from that part of the trip but yeah I hope you found it insightful and interesting and I'd really love to know if you've been to Delhi and you've been to India what your experiences were if you felt the same as me or if you felt differently to how I felt like please let me know if you have any comments or anything to add I'd love to hear about it so if you can follow me on socials you can follow my personal account on Instagram which is at Kanika Bands that's K-A-N-I-K-A-B-A-N-S or you can follow the podcast Instagram account which I encourage you to do please um it is at chit chat podcast remember that's chit chat with two a's not chit chat you can also follow me on twitter at chit chat pod and on facebook at chit chat podcast and then that way you'll get to know when there's a new episode out and that actually will be more frequent now i swear because i have a whole list of stuff that i need to go through and talk about from my india travels so i won't leave you in the lurch again like i did months ago so please give me a follow on there to stay up to date with new stuff and also if you want if you prefer to kick it old school and send me an email you can at chitchartpodcast at gmail.com and tune in next time oh yeah rate and subscribe as well on like apple Podcasts or spotify or soundcloud or whatever it is you're listening to please that would be really helpful and please tune in next time to hear about my time in jaipur and agra